Last season saw Alexander Carrier and Tanner Janot step up for big seasons. So who's going to be the next breakout star of the Nashville Predators? Today, Ann and I are going to be looking at a couple of players on that tier of breakout that we think might have a career step forward this year. We're going to break it down today on the Locked on Predators podcast. Locked On Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Predators podcast your first listen of the day every single day and happy Labor Day, everybody. Hope you're having a nice day not working. I'm Nick Morgan. I'm a writer and editor at OnTheForeCheck.com, and I have a partner in crime. You do. I am Ian Kimmel. I'm a writer and editor at InsideThePreds.com. All right. So last week, uh, for those of you who joined us on Friday, we took a look at breakout stars in the Central Division. We went through each team in the Central and found one player that we thought was going to take like a big step forward this season, kind of come out of nowhere to be a breakout star. Uh, we intentionally did not do the Preds because there's like five players we could talk about. So guess what we decided to do for more content, And <laughs> Jump into Nashville Predators, players. Let's talk about five breakout players for the Nashville Predators. So yeah. If, if, if you missed last week's show, basically these are players who, you know, it, like don't worry about like their age. Don't worry about like status on the team. These are just players who, you know, maybe are going to be playing a bigger role this season. Um, you know, like an example we used last year was Nazem Kadri, who is 30 years old, but still had a breakout season. Like he went from like being a 50, 60 point player to a 80 point player with the Colorado Avalanche got paid in the process so we're Damn. kind of looking at players sort of in that same realm and also you know a couple of younger guys we think are going to step through and have breakout seasons this year so yeah so that is kind of where we are in terms of defining what a breakout player is for the nashville predators and and this roster is really chocked full of them there is so much potential on this roster, especially when you expand it to meet our definition of this isn't necessarily an age thing or this isn't necessarily about a prospect. It's about a player who is going to be in a situation next season to really excel. And I think this roster has a number of players that are worth really keeping an eye on that have the potential to have a breakout year for sure. Exactly. So let's go through some of them. Uh, let's start. Let's just get like the obvious one out of the way, shall we, Anne? Yes. Let's talk about Cody Glass. Now we, yes. We've talked about Cody Glass's situation before. Um, you know, he came in last year. A lot of people thought he was going to kind of be in the Preds top six. Like he was going to mm -hmm. be a top six forward or at least, you know, maybe like the third line center or something like that. Wound up going to the AHL almost right away after just a couple NHL games. Um, a lot of people are like, oh, no, what's happening? Um, is he another bust? Did we absolutely blow the Ryan Ellis trade? Which, I mean, we still might have. But, I mean, no. there's that. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there, there's that. And then he came back. We saw late in the season, he came back to the big leagues, kind of a totally different style of player. 
played very well despite not always really showing up on the scoreboard um, Mm -hmm. when he was playing, but played very, very well. I thought one of the more impressive players in the postseason despite only playing two games. So to me, Ann, a lot to like about Cody Glass. What do you see him in terms of maybe being a breakout player for the Preds next year? Yeah, I think Cody Glass is definitely going to be a a breakout player for the Predators. You know, he came in, again, lots of expectations when he came in with the Ryan Ellis trade. But he also was coming off of a really difficult hockey period for him. You know, he was coming off of a pretty big injury, surgery, long recovery and then hopped right into this trade. It was pretty unexpected, I think, for Cody Glass. And so there was a lot going on for a player who is young, who's relatively new to the league. Like, this was big. This was a big transition for Cody Glass. And so I feel like, like you said, there were some people that were like, oh, is Cody Glass a bust? Cody Glass is not a bust, my friends. And I think he is going to be a player that many, many, many eyes are going to be watching in training camp. I think he's going to be one of kind of the top topics and the top players that are going to be under scrutiny at training camp. And I think he's going to do really well. You talked about, you know, he did great in Milwaukee, played 66 games, 14 goals, 48 assists. He was a huge playmaker. And I think he needed that time to get his confidence back. You go through a huge injury. You know, he's not had an injury with this kind of recovery time ever before in his career. And then you have a trade like It's okay that it took him some time to get his feet under him. I think he's got his confidence back. And Cody Glass, look, he is an NHL player. He's not an AHL player. He is an NHL player. So I think he is definitely going to impress people this season. I think he is going to – I think he's going to make the roster. And I think he's going to do well. You know, when we were talking to our buddy Eric Denae about this Mm -hmm. big Preds prospect, he can talk for five hours about Cody Glass. Yes. Uh, we were kind of joking about this the other night, but he, he is somebody that can talk for days about Cody Glass. And he brought up the point, you know, Cody Glass doesn't really have much left to prove in the AHL. I mean, he proved he can adapt his game, fit that style that Carl Taylor kind of coached him to play for John Hines with. Um, and, you know, as he said, it's it doesn't make a lot of sense for Cody Glass not to be on this team at the start of the year, unless you're doing it purely for like roster or salary decisions like that. Um, I liked, you know, I liked what Michael McCarron did last year, really good player. But I think as you're, as you're taking a look at the next step of this team and how you can kind of adapt it to compete with like the Colorado's of the world, Cody Glass is kind of going to be a player you want to center around. Um, Mm -hmm. And I guess that's kind of the caveat in this whole thing is just what John Hines and David Poyle sees in Cody Glass. You know, is he see enough of, oh, he fits this style to make him kind of a piece of what the Predators want to do this season? Um, And and if not, then, then I think there's a bigger conversation there. But, you know, I mean, and I say not everybody's like, well, what are you talking about? I mean, like, look at look at some of the roster decisions late in the year last year. Yes. And you kind of see what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think like this is. I don't want to say make or break for Cody Glass, but if, if he can't win a roster spot coming out of training camp this year, um, I think there needs to be a bigger discussion either on his end or 
on John Hines's end. Uh, yes. Because I think Cody Glass has proven he should be playing on the NHL level. Yes, I would agree. I don't think he is as raw as Phil Tomasino was when Phil Tomasino kind of got his opportunity Whoa. last season. I feel like Cody Glass has a little bit more uh, meat to his game than Phil Tomasino did coming in. So I would be really surprised and also a little bit alarmed, like you said, if he does not make this roster. But again, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see, but I think he's going to really, uh, I think he's going to have a good training camp and I really think he'll be on the roster. My question is where on the roster is he going to be Nick? Well, there's a couple of different things you can kind of do. Like, do you shuffle mm -hmm. the lines? Do you maybe have Tanner Janot as your second line winger and, you know, put him with Johansson and uh, Nino Niederreiter and kind of a fun line? Because if you do that, maybe you open up the door for like a third line of the young guns, which we saw last mm -hmm. year, with Cody Glass centering Phil Tomasino, who we're about to talk about, and Ellie Tolvanen, who we're about to talk about. That line together did very, very, very well last year. And then you can add a fourth line of Colton Sissons, Yakov Trenin, and maybe another guy we're going to talk about, Zach Sanford, and put them together to kind of have a fourth line that still accomplishes what you want from your fourth line, but has a little bit more of an offensive punch to it. If yeah. those three together, like Glass, Tomasino, and Tolvanen, um, you know, if they have show the same kind of level of chemistry they did last year, I think that's a very good depth third line. No, I would agree. And it's interesting because I think there are a lot of people who feel like the third line from last season is a little bit untouchable, that herd line. But I think if you really want to put your best options together, that line may need to have a little breakup song. Um, and, and I love the second line you're talking about. And I also really like the opportunity for Cody Glass to get third line minutes. I like that idea. I, I think he's ready for that. There's a bug flying around my face. So that's what this is. If you're watching this on YouTube, um, I agree. I'm, I'm not 100% like attached to the, like the herd line needs to mm -hmm. stick together. Um, yeah. Let's talk about another person in that equation. Phil Tomasino. Yes. Um, this was a guy that got in a lot better as the season went on. I think earlier in the year, you kind of saw him struggle a little bit. Uh, healthy scratch here and there. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, there, there was a debate on whether he should be playing where he was or going back to Milwaukee. Pred stuck with him and it wound up paying off very quietly a 32 point rookie season out of Phil yes. Tomasino, which, wow, that was like, I had to like double check the stats <laughs> because it's like, way under the radar. Like, you know, everybody was talking about Tanner Janot's like scoring mm -hmm. and you know, Alexander Carey. And then of course, like what the big guns did, a lot of it, you know, Phil Tomasino's rookie year wasn't bad. 11 goals, 21 assists. Like that's not bad for a 20 year old. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I think part of why it was overlooked is because it was such a slow and steady uh, improvement of his play like there really wasn't necessarily this he burst onto the scene and it all clicked all at once you could just see straight up eye test comparing early games of Phil Tomasino and where he was at towards the end of the season this is a young player who just was able to learn and put it all together and I think you know John Hines talks a lot about his hockey IQ and 
that kind of thing. And I think he really showed a lot of hockey IQ. I think he showed a lot of maturity. I think there were aspects of his game that were missing at the beginning of his time with the Predators that you could see him developing into. Uh, so I, I agree with you. I think Phil Tomasino is this under the radar, like, hey, wait a second. Like, wait a second, this, yeah. this kid has something and I'm so excited to see kind of what happens with him next season. Of course, this is a player who I think it would be an absolute disaster if he didn't make the roster. So I don't think roster spot is a question. Yeah. I, I oh, you're making a face. He, you're making I a face. I don't think he's not going to make the roster. I think he's, I think he's one of those players you can absolutely lock in. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and it's it's interesting too because at towards the end of the year when Tomasino was on that fourth line, mm-hmm. you saw not just doing well, you saw him elevating that fourth yes. line. You know, we talked about Michael McCarron, Matt Luff, a couple of those guys who like you know kind of came out of nowhere to have like surprisingly good stints. It was Phil Tomasino who was kind of the guy setting up plays for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a lot of those plays, you know, we would see him kind of you know do what Mikhail Granlin did, which is kind of like use his speed to go in, you know, kind of create space for himself, uh, you know, get past a couple of defenders and then make a play to somebody in front of the net. He was playing like a top line playmaker, but he was doing it with fourth liners. And that to me, more than the stat line, that mm-hmm. to me makes me look at Phil Tomasino as like, he's ready for something more. Like he's, yes. and I know we just talked about maybe Phil Tom or like, um, Tanner Janot on the second line. If that doesn't happen, Phil Tomasino should be in your top six because mm-hmm. I think he's ready, especially if he spends the off season pigging out at Hattie B, <laughs> and, uh, like, you know, going, going yes. down there and, and eating all the ice cream and whatnot. You can find the banana cream pie at Loveless and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, then and he comes in with like a little more meat on his bones, uh, you know, a little more physically developed. Yes. As a 21 year old entering this year, then I think he's going to probably be a little bit more hockey ready to have a bigger role. And that's something that I know you just talked about was, you know, mm-hmm. there, there's a few things that he just wasn't quite ready for a big time role yet. Stuff like that is going to help him be ready this time. Around. Yeah. Yeah. At the beginning of the season, I felt like he was, you could tell that he was getting his feet wet. You could tell that he was um, playing a little bit of catch up to the physicality of the game that the Predators played. By the end of the season, this is a kid who feels very comfortable playing NHL minutes. And I think, I agree with you. I think size and strength in the offseason are going to be key for Tomasino coming back in. But he has a tremendous amount of potential. And he could very well be one of the top six guys. Like I I think John Hines has a lot of work cut out for him in training camp, piecing some things together. And it's really nice because it's not like, how do we fill these holes? It's more a case of how do we best optimize the talent that we have where they're at in their development. So it's a good place to be, I think, going into training camp. Yeah, he's got options, and that's not something John Hines really had, I think, last year. I think it was mm-hmm. last year more about filling a hole than it was, you know, utilizing your players. Uh, so there's a couple other players we talk about. Ellie Tolvin, that's a big one. I know a lot of people are wondering if he's going to have a, uh, a breakout or a bounce back year. Plus, a new addition to the Predators this year, maybe a sneaky underrated pick for a pretty decent season. 
Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. But first, though, I want to take a serious note and just remind everybody that it is never okay to drive stoned. I know there's a lot of people that think, hey, you know, marijuana, you know, it's becoming more mainstream. It, it's not, you know, as bad as, you know, alcohol. Whatever your opinion on this, the one thing you have to remember is that it's never okay to drive stone. I know a lot of people think the worst that can happen is what? You just drive a little slower below the speed limit. That's no big deal. That is absolutely not the case. The truth is your reaction time slows way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. That is an absolute buzzkill, no pun intended. So stop kidding yourself. It is not okay to drive high. If you want to, if you've been using marijuana in any form, do not risk it. Just be smart, be safe. Do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. If you drive high, get a DUI. All right, and let's talk about uh, somebody who is always <laughs> kind of a lightning rod of conversation, and that's Ellie Tolvanen. Um, very yep. difficult to judge kind of Ellie Tolvanen's game last year because there was a lot not on the score sheet that he did very well, but judging by some of the roster decisions late in the year, um maybe a little bit of a disconnect from what we saw and the fans saw versus maybe what the team thinks of him. I agree with that. I think Ellie Tolvanen had, look, let's just be real. It was a little bit of a rough season offensively. And, and that was across the board on that second line where you had Cunnin, Johansson, Tolvanen, Cunnin and Tolvanen. It was, it was rough. They both really struggled to produce offensively. But when you look at Ellie Tolvanen's all around game, I feel like this is somebody who really still contributed to the Nashville Predators, but he got, he, he has a real short leash, it appears, with head coach John Hines. And I wonder how much of that is going to carry over into next season. And I'm a little bit concerned about that because I will say this, I think Ellie Tolvanen could have a bounce back year if given the opportunity. I feel like that's just a little bit of an if. Um, I really want to see him break out. I, I think he has a great two-way game. I think defensively, he's an extremely responsible defensive player. I think he plays uh, very physical. He plays with that kind of hard-to-play-against mentality, but he does a good job of not taking it too far into the whole penalty realm, which several Nashville Predators can't seem to find that balance. Um oh. Yeah, I mean, that's just a whole nother like moment of anxiety when we think about that. <laughs> so Ellie Tolvanen, I feel like this could be a great bounce back year, but I think number one, he has to get enough leash from John Hines. And I don't know, I don't know if he's going to get enough. Number two, I think who you play him with is going to matter. And that's not in any way a, a slight against you know, Ryan Johansson, or even when he had Mikhail Granlund on that same line. But I love the idea of Cody Glass maybe working with Ellie Tolvanen. And you talked about that young line, throw a little Phil Tomasino on there. And I think something could happen. So I do expect Ellie Tolvanen to have a better season if he gets enough opportunity from John Hines. And it feels like an if. That is, I think, the biggest question to me about Ellie Tolvanen's future is, does John Hines see a fit for him? And look, mm -hmm. you know, we talk about how to use Ellie Tolvanen. I, I would say, unfortunately, at this point, 
for Ellie Tolvanen, it, it's more of a you're fighting for a roster spot more. And, you know, you're fighting for a place mm-hmm. on the depth chart um, because, you know, as he as we saw last year, you know, he was a perennial healthy scratch down the stretch, um, which is interesting because we thought he played a pretty decent 200 foot game. Yes. Um, better than Luke Cunning, who kept getting opportunities over him, better than Nick Cousins, who kind of, you know, was always mm-hmm. kind of in the mix for, you know, playing time. Um, so it, it, it's interesting that, you know, John Hines came down a little bit harder on Ellie Tolvanen's game than he did, you know, some of the other players. And that just kind of goes to show you, like, is there something we're missing? Like, is yes. there something about Tolvanen's game that maybe a coach would see where somebody who, you know, who's been in the game that's, you know, that's for some reason not translating to what the team wants to do that we're completely missing, you know, just from the outside mm-hmm. looking in. Um, and that's something that I would assume Don Hines and Ellie Tolman have worked on this season. Um, it's still, I don't know, it, it kind of feels like what Victor Arvidsson felt like, where it's just yes. at the end, you, you can just kind of see like it wasn't going to be a fit. Um, I, I like Ellie Tolvanen. I still think, you know, used right. I think there's a spot for him in Nashville, but I, I'm with you, Anne. I'm just not like eager about like saying, oh yeah, Ellie Tolvanen is going to have a big bounce back year. This is going to be his breakout year just because I just, there's too many things making me say that that might not happen. Yeah. And I don't think that's necessarily going to be a result of his talent or his play. I think it may be a result of his opportunity. And there's only so much of that that Ellie Tolvin and himself can control. I hope to see him get that opportunity. He is somebody that I'm going to be very curious to see kind of where he comes in uh, to training camp. I think he'll, you know, I obviously think that he will have hockey work done and all of that, but is it like, I wonder, is it like a mental thing that John Hines could see that we didn't see necessarily on the ice? Is it some sort of I mean, I don't even want to say work ethic thing because I just don't think that that's it. But there is, there was something last season that kind of kept John Hines keeping him at arm's length. And and I hope that that's gone, but I think we have to be realistic that maybe it's not. Yeah. Um, let's talk about an intriguing one. This is a trade that, or, uh, or not a trade, a signing that no one really talked about this offseason yeah. I think it may yield some fruit here, and that is yeah. Zach Sanford. Now, not I'm not saying he's going to be like a top six forward or anything, but Zach Sanford comes in. Uh, he's won a Stanley Cup with St. Louis, was a very good player for the Blues during that playoff team. Uh, the next year, which is the COVID-shortened year, looked like he was due for a breakup, had 30 or a breakout, 30 points in 58 games, and was kind of starting to get like more special teams time, um, both on the power play and shorthanded. He was kind of looking like a jack of all trades. Um, and then, you know, kind of a rough 2021. And then he was traded last year, bounced between Ottawa and Winnipeg, had a 21-point season, which isn't horrible. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, certainly playing on those two teams are going to be different than playing on the St. Louis Blues. He comes to <laughs> Nashville, um, a little bit of a sturdier team around him. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy is a 30-point score. Like, I, I look at this, in and I see somebody that, you know, in the right circumstances, especially playing, you know, Yakov Trenin on the other side, maybe, 
Yes. I I think Zach Sanford can be a little bit of a surprise for the Nashville Predators this year. Yeah, he is definitely a player that most people are not talking about. I think when he was signed, it was kind of one of those like, oh, great, we got this guy who even knows. But if you go back and look at some highlights from Zach Sanford and his style of play, he is a Nashville Predators identity style of player. Like this is somebody who is physical. This is somebody he very much when you say Yakov Trenin, that's very much a who he kind of reminds me of. Do I think that he is going to light it up every night? And do I think, you know, he's going to be a 25, 30 goal scorer? No, but I think this is somebody like, look, let's just be real. The fourth line last season, just a little meh, you know? It was, and, was, and it was fine. Like to it me, was like fine. Yeah. But I think this is one of those players that if you find, the right combination for something like that, Zach Sanford may surprise everybody. Yeah, yeah I like you look, this one. You, yeah, you, you know, you look up and, um, you know, you, you saw what Michael McCarron was able to do last year. You know, Nick Cousins, I think, um, you know, when healthy was was a pretty, you know, decent player. And to me, Zach Sanford is somebody with a little bit more, I guess, upside. I know the joke is that, mm -hmm. oh, he's on this team because he's tall and David Boyle likes <laughs> tall boys. Um, but I, I really do think that this is somebody that I think in the right circumstance, the right circumstance, mm -hmm. I think can maybe be, you know, Hey, like 12 goals, 16 assists, something like that. Yes. Maybe 15, 15, like Colton Sissons was a few years ago. Um, I mean, this is a guy like, don't count him out. Like don't right. count him out especially if you move Tanner Janot around to a different spot, this is something that can come in and kind of fit that identity of the herd line. Yeah. I like this one a lot. So we still have a couple more we want to talk about. Uh, and, but first we want to thank you for making locked on predators your first listen of the day. But if you are excited about football season starting, you need to go and make your second listen, the ultimate pro football preview 2022. It is an eight episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NFL season. The local team experts of the Locked On Podcast Network, plus there's going to be a betting angle from Lee Sterling of Locked On Bets, and they're going to combine it all into one ultimate NFL preview. You can search for Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Audacity app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, and let's talk defense, shall we? We should. Uh, here's, another, here's another breakout candidate, Jeremy Lazan. Yeah. An interesting candidate. Um, we had a very, very, very small sample size with him mm -hmm. last year, only 13 games due to a couple of different injury issues. Um, but when he played, like, I liked what I saw out of him. Um, like, he's somebody that can, you know, move up. He played with Roman Yossi for, for a little bit uh, when the Preds were having some injury issues on that right side. Um, he's somebody that can play either on the right or the left. Um, very versatile defender. Uh, I think a lot of people were surprised when they brought him in for a second round pick and then re-signed him to a four-year deal after that. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. But clearly, I think the big thing is, and that all signals like the Predators see something in him that kind of makes him an integral part of this team moving forward, which makes me think he's going to get a lot of opportunities on mm -hmm. that blue line this year. Yeah, I like uh, Jeremy Lazan. Like you said, there's not much of a sample size, 
but I feel like style of play, I feel like this is kind of a natural fit. I also think it's really important for the Nashville Predators, like you said, he can play either side. And I think that may be a factor that's really important as you're piecing together the the pairings for the blue line, because, you know, you've got Ryan McDonough coming in and you've lost uh, Matt Benning. And so you're kind of redoing, retooling the defense quite a bit, actually, uh, for the Nashville Predators. And I think having Jeremy Lazan is is going to be helpful as they sort of figure out who fits where and who goes where. I, I like this. I think he is kind of a natural fit for, like I said, the identity. I think the Predators definitely see a ton of potential in him. They brought him in. I don't think there was a ton of excitement when they brought him in. I don't think there was a ton of excitement when they signed him. No. I think he <laughs> may surprise everybody, though. I, I, I think he may surprise everybody. And they see something here that they feel like they are going to get a responsible defenseman out of. And, and, you know, you're not going to get a lot of like Roman Yossi-esque play out of Jeremy Lazan, but you don't necessarily need that. And if he can kind of fit a, a, a pairing well and, and make, you know, let's face it, that third line pairing last year was, was brutal, no matter how you combined it, this is going to be a good ad for the Preds. Yeah, I think he's at you know at most maybe a, a 16, 17 minute a night kind of guy. Yeah. But yeah. somebody that can play good 16, 17 minutes, especially because when you look at kind of the landscape of um the top four right now, you have mm-hmm. five defensemen yes. that can play in the top four, which means you're gonna have one really good defenseman on the third pair. And so I think that's an opportunity for Jeremy Lazan to kind of get more playing time playing with a good person um, mm-hmm. and, and somebody who's going to let him kind of play his style while, while also staying defensively responsible. Um, yeah, like I think the expectations for Lazan aren't going to be high, but I think you're going to see him kind of have his best season in a while with the Nashville Predators this year. Yes. Um, last, last one, Anne, and I guess you could kind of argue last year was a breakout year for him. But what do you see from Yakov Trenin this year? 17 goals last year as a member of the herd line, 24 points. He's got a new uh, contract now, kind of a bridge deal. Mm-hmm. What's, what's the ceiling for Yakov Trenin this year? This is such an interesting question because when you look back on last season, Tanner Janot was kind of the the golden boy of, of that line. Um, and Yakov Trenin was sort of like the like chubbier, you know, stepsister who's just here for the food. I don't know if you've ever watched Ever After, but, she, you know, Yakov Trenin was just here for the food. Um, okay. Okay. But, you know, Yakov Trenin in his own right really, I think, could flourish. I think he did well on that line. I don't necessarily think Yakov Trenin's ceiling is going to be as high as Tanner Janos, but I do think he could have a, a 20 goal score, 25, you know, possibly. I So much about where Yakov Trenin's season goes, I think it's going to depend on where everything settles. Is he going to maybe lose some minutes on the ice being in, in more of a fourth role line or fourth line role? I don't know. I think he's a good re-sign. I think it would have been a tragedy if the Predators had lost him. I think it's going to be very interesting to see how he slots in if they decide that they're going to upset the apple cart with the hurt line. 
I, you know, he's not going to be bad. Yakov Trenin yeah. is not going to be bad. Is he going to have just this outstanding breakout year? I don't know. It, it's don't tough. Know. It's tough because you watch his game and you think of, oh, yeah, you know, maybe he's like kind of a Tom Wilson type of player mm-hmm. where he's just like that nose to the grindstone, heavy hitter, but can also, you know, kind of be like a traditional scoring power forward. Um, and then you you kind of watch some of the circumstances. I mean, he made a lot of good plays. Like he created he a lot of quality chances, and that's what kind of makes me think that, um, you know, maybe there there's some there's some hope that he can kind of develop into more. Um, I, I just I think when I look at the roster, I see maybe fewer opportunities for him this mm-hmm. year. And I think, and if that's if that's the case, that's fine because Yakov Trenin is still a very good player and is going to be a very good mm-hmm. bottom six winger for the Preds. Can he take that next step? I think eventually. I just don't think it's going to happen this season. Yeah, I just I'm not sure there's going to be enough opportunity for him to to do that this season. But who does, who is not going to love watching Yakov Trenin this season, regardless? Like, oh, for sure. I and, mean, and again, like, like I said, not taking anything away from him as a no. player. I love him as a player. Yeah, um, I just think it's. Um, I wouldn't expect the same kind of seventeen goal season for yeah. him this year. Yeah, circumstances and and line mates make a huge difference. So it'll be interesting to see what his circumstances are when it comes time for the regular season. For sure. Uh, we want to know what you guys think. Uh, so if you follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Predators or, or you're watching this on YouTube on our Locked on Predators YouTube channel, leave a comment. Tweet us. Let us know what Predators you think are primed for a breakout year. Or in the case of somebody like Yakov Trenin, let me know if you think they can repeat where they were last year. Um, so, yeah, we want to hear your thoughts on that. And uh, we may we may have some uh, festive debates heading into the preseason. Um, yeah. And where can the people find your work online? You can find my work at insidethepreds.com and you can find me on Twitter at ANK underscore mama on ice. I'm Nick Morgan. You can find me at onthefourcheck.com. Follow me on Twitter at underscore NS Morgan. If you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to like the video and subscribe. Uh, and like I said, follow us on Twitter at LO underscore predators and let us know your thoughts on anything we talked about today. That's going to do it for us today on the Locked On Predators podcast. Thank you for making this your first listen of the day. We'll be back with all new episodes this week. See you then, folks.